Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. One of the highlights of my life was in 2005 when my favorite baseball team, the Chicago White Sox, won the World Series. I even attended a game that year where the White Sox had a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. I was screaming and shouting, jumping up and down. I was hugging folks I didn't even know. The White Sox hadn't won a World Series since 1917, so I really celebrated that once-in-a-lifetime moment. I was wearing the gear and bragging about how great my team was to all my sports buddies. 2005 was a year to rejoice because my team had done a marvelous thing. Psalm 98 is a good reminder that you and I have reason to celebrate and rejoice all our lifetime. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the seas resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Psalm 98, it calls us to rejoice, to even shout for joy because God has worked salvation. God has made his salvation known to the nations. All the ends of the earth have seen God's salvation in Jesus Christ. And so we should celebrate, we who are not Jewish ethnically, because God has won salvation for us as well. God has not only won the victory for one nation, Psalm 98 celebrates he has won it for all the earth. Did you hear how God's right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him? Psalm 98 is saying God's the one who knocked it out of the park. Yet, we are the ones who benefit. We are the ones who get to celebrate. I think we get that when we celebrate our favorite team winning. The way I celebrated in 2005, I was shouting how, We won! We won! You'd think that I was on the field driving in runs and running the bases. That's how Christianity is, my friend. There is a sense in which we, as Christian believers, we participate even though we did nothing to achieve the victory. That's what makes our faith and our God different from all other gods and religions. Other religions require you to contribute, to perform through your devotion, through your work, through your acts. And then, if you do enough, you receive favor based on what you do. This is at the core of every other religion. Trace it out. You earn it by your performance. But Christianity says, that all you contribute is the sin that sent Jesus to the cross. God won the victory 100%, yet he shares it with all who simply receive it and come to him with empty hands. Well, that doesn't mean we don't participate. In fact, that is how the gospel goes out to the nations. You and I, we get to go out on the field. It doesn't matter whether we're very athletic or not. 
You see, God has so ran up the scoreboard with Christ's victory at the cross, we can go out there into the field and play our hearts out because there's no way we can lose. So friend, go out today and make a joyful noise throughout all the earth. God has won the victory and we will spend all of eternity soaking in the glory of it. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. In conversations with folks in my community, I find that most folks believe that God exists. Sure, I run into atheists, but few are willing to say that all we are and all we experience is a result of random chance. Most folks recognize that God is, but not near as many recognize who God is. Psalm 99 sets forth who God is. God is an awful God. Listen, Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church, and we are sampling the Psalms. And Psalm 99 is the last of a set we would call the Royal Psalms. Psalms that show God's majesty on his heavenly throne. And Psalm 99 reveals not only that God is, but who God is. God is an awful God. And I'm speaking of the older sense of that word, full of awe. God is awe-inspiring, a God to fear. We should be full of profound dread of our God. In Jewish literature, the way they emphasized something was not with capital letters or underlining, but they emphasized something by repetition. Did you hear the threefold repetition in Psalm 99? There are three sections and each end with God is holy. Who is God? God is holy, holy, holy. In the first section, we read about the seraphim. These are the magnificent angels that surround God's throne. As we read in Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4, they ceaselessly cry to God, Holy, holy, holy. God sits alone in heaven as the one who causes all people to tremble and the earth to shake. This really captures the first sense of what it means that God is holy. God is completely separate from all creation. It's the wonder of a child who asks you, who made God? And there is no answer. He always has been and always will be. God is completely other. This is why every time a person encounters God in the fullness of his glory in the Bible, they are overwhelmed as they experience for the first time what their creatureliness really is. Only when we stand before the awful God on that last day 
Well, we discover the gall, the horror of Satan's temptation. When we bought into that lie, you will be like God. Genesis 3, 5. The second section of the psalm speaks then of the sense of holiness that we're familiar with. Holiness in terms of morality. We hear about the justice of God, doing what is right. And here's where we often go wrong. We tend to see holiness as a sliding scale. So like a mass murderer would be on the low end, perhaps scoring a one or a two. And if we're upstanding citizens, you know, who go to church, don't swear, we pay our taxes, well, we might score an eight or maybe even a nine. And God smiles at our holiness. Friends, let's put Jesus, God's holy son, on that scale. And of course, he's at the highest point, a perfect 10. Are you still thinking that you're an eight or a nine, cozying up close to Jesus? Uh-uh. In fact, we slide all the way down to the other end of the holiness scale with the worst of people. Every bad thought, everything that we've ever failed to do, these are what R.C. Sproul rightly calls acts of cosmic treason. He writes, Sin is treason against a perfectly pure sovereign. It is an act of supreme ingratitude toward the one whom, to whom we owe everything, to the one who has given us life itself. Have you ever considered the deeper implications of the slightest sin? We are saying, God, your law is not good. My judgment is better than yours. Your authority doesn't apply to me. I am above and beyond your jurisdiction. I have the right to do what I want to do, not what you command me to do. The last section then gives the testimonies of three of Israel's greatest leaders, Moses, Aaron, and Samuel, and each testify to God and his forgiveness, while also affirming God punishes all sin, and they recall the terror of God at the holy mountain. Friends, Psalm 99 tells us that God is awful. Yes, I know, God is love, God is kind, God is patient. But God is never described in the superlative in threefold repetition as love, 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 or kindness, 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 or any other characteristic. But God in the Bible is described again and again as holy, holy, holy. And that ought to humble us, even as we see and experience so much unholiness, so many injustices in our world. In light of God's otherness and God's staggering demand for our absolute perfection, well, let us be staggered at the cross of Christ, where the only holy man to ever live before God on this earth was punished for sins that he did not commit so that you and I could be made like him. And it is all of grace, all of grace that fallen folks like you and I could be made holy like our God. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Duel of Heart City Church. And we end this week with a well-known psalm, Psalm 100. It's a simple psalm packing two profound truths that are needed in our moment of modern madness. Psalm 100, listen. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Now let's pause there before proceeding. We need to take in that truth. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Now some ancient texts actually say it is he, God, who made us and not we ourselves. In either case, here's a command to acknowledge God made us and that as his creation, 
we are not our own, but belong to him. Hmm. Doesn't that fly in the face of our you do you and create yourself culture? We are creatures and must acknowledge our dependence on our creator. God is our source of life, friends. Psalm 100 says that apart from God, we don't exist. I'm not talking and you're not listening. This command to acknowledge him means we need to see that we are accountable to him. And more, it means he determines our value. He determines our significance and meaning. And friends, that is a joyful thing. Did you actually notice Psalm 100 begins with a call to shout for joy, to worship with gladness, to sing joyful songs? We are to be really noisy and really joyful. And when you accept and receive your value as God assigned it, it's a happy thing to celebrate and it's a real relief because you're living into reality. You're being who you were created to be. Friends, that is freedom. Do you know what bondage is? Buying into the modern myth that you can and should determine your truth and your destiny. That is to take on a burden you cannot bear. Why are so many Americans struggling with mental issues? I would argue that many are exceeding their limits by buying into the myth that we can create our own reality, that we can determine our own truth. We ignore this command to acknowledge the godness of God and the realness of reality to our own peril. Now, there's a second profound truth in the remainder of this psalm. Listen, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Following the command to acknowledge that God is God and we are not God, that he determines our destiny, not we ourselves, we now hear that our destiny is suffering. Suffering. This is a profound truth we need to take in as Christians. We're not to buy into the false gospel of your best life now. What do you mean, Joel? Well, we hear that we are his sheep, ready to enter his gates, his courts with thanksgiving. Now, friend, if you're a sheep, that's a crazy thought. You know why sheep were brought through the gates and into the temple courts, right? You're going to be slaughtered for sacrifice. Do you get the picture of who we're called to be on earth? You get the picture of what our family and friends are supposed to see when they see us? We're the crazy people who are giving up our lives for God's glory. And friends, that is freedom as well. We are set free from our own agendas in order that we may live and die for God. We rejoice that our lives are worthy to count for God, that we can truly matter. We are thankful that we are following the Good Shepherd Jesus who first became the lamb who was slain for our sins. Jesus came, took up his cross, and bought us at the cost of his own blood and entered into glory. And we live this life then, making noise for all to see that our God has opened the way to glory. And do you know that this is most evident? We shine most brightly, not when things are going great, but when rather we're going through trials, and yet we're still giving thanks because it reveals we really believe the love of God endures forever. Psalm 100 actually has the title, A Psalm for Giving Thanks. 
And Franz Schaeffer once wrote, A heart giving thanks at any given moment is the real test of the extent to which we love God at that moment. So in this moment of madness, let us show the world our love for our Creator. And let us give thanks that God is the source of our lives and the life of the world, and that He has determined our destiny is to pass through suffering and into glory. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. How big is your vision of God? What are your thoughts on Sunday as you walk into church and sit down? How lofty are your meditations as you pray and sing? Check out what Annie Dillard once wrote. She wrote, On the whole, I do not find Christians outside the catacombs sufficiently sensible of the conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? It is madness to wear lady straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. For the sleeping God may wake some day and take offense. Or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. And let's take in, let's appropriate Psalm 97, which describes the conquering God whose coming glory will be awesome, to say the least. Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all people see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hands of the wicked. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Wow. This psalm is meant to bowl us over with this theophany, the arrival of the coming God. Psalm 97 begins by telling us, The Lord reigns, so the earth should be glad. Hmm. That's not something you hear on the nightly news world report. A glad earth? Really? There's no vision of God on the news, and sadly not in so many of our homes. In fact, rather, we witness the opposite, so much evil every day in this fallen world. The endless bloodshed and devastation in Ukraine, deaths from crime, poverty in our cities, betrayal and rejection in our own families. There seems no end to tragedies and pains. The evil we see every day, my friend, can have the effect of diminishing our view of God's sovereignty, His absolute control. Psalm 97 says, things are not as they appear. It reorients us to the incalculable vastness of the Almighty Lord of all the earth. When he comes, 
Fire goes up before him and consumes all who oppose him. The vast mountaintops, can you see him melting at his approach? And all who belong to him rejoice because he's coming to right all wrongs. Friend, if you have found your thoughts of God too low, spend some time today meditating on a verse or two in Psalm 97 and confess the lowliness of your thoughts to God and ask for his pardon. And as you do, as you spend protracted time pondering his glory, something will happen. You will begin to become more and more radiant. His light will begin to shine on you, or perhaps better worded, his light will begin to be sown in you. And you know what will happen in response to this light, to this growing awe of God at the core of your being? You will more and more love him for having saved you from himself and his holy wrath. And you will more and more hate your sin that required the death of his son to spare you from it. A.W. Tozer said, well, all the problems of heaven and earth, though they were to confront us together and all at once, would be nothing compared with that overwhelming problem of God, that he is, what he is like, and what we as moral beings must do about him. Psalm 97 reorients us to think bigger thoughts of the God who is so powerful and merciful, so much so that we ought to be blown away, that we are privileged to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. One of my favorite parts of our worship service is when we all stand and recite the Apostles' Creed together. In this moment, our local congregation is connected to something far bigger than us. The Apostles' Creed has resonated through time and space as for nearly 2,000 years, Christian believers have taken these same words to their lips, confessing what it is that we believe, what we place our hope in. And there's a line where we confess our hope in the day when our Lord Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead. Judgment Day is a day Christian believers look forward to and will rejoice in. And that, my friends, is what Psalm 96 is all about. It begins, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Psalm 96 begins with a triple call for all the earth to sing and praise God. It's also a call to sing a new song. Are you ready to sing a new song? I only speak for me, but I'm tired of singing the same old song. Like the band The Four Tops, I've found the music of this world is sweet for a time, but that sweetness sours and the song we used to love takes on a different meaning. That's because we live in a world where the nations worship false gods, not the true God we were made to worship. Humanity was made to glorify and enjoy God, but from Genesis 3 all the way to April 2022, mankind continues to exchange the truth about God and worship the creation. Romans 1. Now, I know folks in America may not literally bow down to statues or metal images, but don't we seek purpose, meaning, significance, and identity in all kinds of created things? Marketers know this, and they spend trillions of dollars to disciple us into being 
worshippers. We've all become members of their religion of consumerism. I was in the coffee shop the other day, and every single person had the same reverent posture. Each one had their head down, their palms upraised, and their faces were in a trance, staring at their phones. I walked outside and passed a man doing the same trance, staring at his 3x5 screen. And his eyes could have been raised to marvel at the heavens the Lord made. Friends, Psalm 96 next invites us to lift our eyes and our hearts back up to God, verses 6-9. through nine. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. This, friends, is an invitation for those made by God, like God, and for God to give holy God all our praise. And the word ascribe means to praise God for his attributes because it is his due. Now, earlier we were told to fear God. Here we're called to tremble as creatures before our creator. And it's because judgment day is coming. Verses 10 to 13. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This last section is bookended by God coming in judgment. It is a look forward to coming Judgment Day. And did you notice who else is looking forward to singing a new song? The creation, the heavens above, the seas below, the plants of the ground. The trees will be singing a new song on Judgment Day. You see, the earth is also tired of singing the same old song. Paul says the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, Romans 8.22, because mankind has abused, has misused this planet, brought all creation under God's curse when our first parents initiated the coup against our Creator. This world looks forward to that day when our Lord Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead because it's going to break out in a final song. And friend, if you put your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus who took Judgment Day on Himself for us at the cross, then you need not fear when Judgment Day comes. It will be a day to rejoice in as we join the Hallelujah Chorus singing a new song. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to.
This is News Source 1 Michiana. Elkhart South Bend.